Welcome to the Happiest Ever After podcast. I'm your host, Tatiana Robertson. And yes, you heard right, happy-ish. Because this podcast is not about chasing the fairy tale. Our purpose is not to find Prince Charming and live in a castle. Our purpose is to live our own true story. But how do we do that with the overwhelm of the daily grind? Here on Happyish, I talk to so many amazing people, and we aren't just here to inspire you. We are here to give you tangible takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love, a life where you have tools to improve your mental and physical health, a life where you are the center of the story. The fairy tale was never real, and that's the good news because that means that you can take the pen and write your own story. Now let's get started and see where this takes us. I am so excited for today's guest. I have Albiona Rakipi, who has over 20 years of experience working with children and families, first as an early childhood educator, and currently as a pediatric speech and language pathologist. She offers one-on-one parent coaching programs where she's best known for helping parents reframe how they interpret their child's behavior while tackling their daily challenges and reflecting on their parenting journey. Her work has been published in The Every Mom, Detroit Mom, Our Detroit, Metro Parent, The Motherload and Modern Parent, and she is the founder of The Parenting Reframe and hosts The Parenting Reframe Podcast. I'm so excited to have Albiona come on today, and if you aren't somebody that has young children and you are familiar with the work that she does, we're going to be taking a different spin today on the work that she does, and I'm just so excited to have you join me today, Albiona. Hi, Tatiana. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm actually so excited to shift the conversation a little bit and talk about what it is to parent older kids and not necessarily be in the throes of tantrums and meltdowns and whatnot. You have so much wisdom. And I'm like, I wish you had been around. I wish Instagram had been around when my kids were younger. I wish you had been in my life when my (laughs) kids were younger, because I know I could have been such a better mom. I you've just given so many good tips. I appreciate that. Thank you. But here's the thing. You said something to me recently in a conversation about how, you know, it's never too late. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's not like the relationship ends when they're three or six or 18 or 20. You're always their mom, but the job description kind of changes and we don't get how to parent your 20 year old or how to have a relationship with your 20 year old or how to reframe parenting at this stage of life. So when you said you would come on board and have this conversation, I was just so excited. Ah, that, well, first of all, thank you for all the kind words. It means a lot. You know, it's interesting, some of the things that I write about and even on my Instagram or on my TikTok when I create videos and I'm trying to give either insights or just different ideas of how we can reframe certain behaviors that we're seeing in our kids. It's funny, a lot of that is has been a culmination of years of not just being a parent to my own kids, but also working with children. But I have not done half of the things that I've recommended parents do, right? So I I mean, I know when you say that I wish I knew you or had you when I was a younger parent, I wish I had me too when I was a younger (laughs) parent. So I think part of that is like the natural evolution of allowing yourself to continue to grow and develop as a person, even though you are still a parent to somebody else. I think the the sort of the memo that most parents subscribe to is that once you become a parent, that everything regarding growth development and evolving really has to get all your energy has to be poured into your child and allowing them to grow in a really healthy way. And we neglect the fact that we are still growing. We are still making mistakes. There is so much for us to still learn, but we almost cut that off completely because our entire focus falls on the child. 
which to a certain extent is necessary. I understand that. But that if we don't acknowledge the parts of ourselves that continue to need healing and growing and expanding and all these other wonderful things, we miss all of these really beautiful opportunities because I still, I still hold, this still holds true for me. And someone had said it to me a long time ago when my kids were younger, is that your children don't come to you by accident and you don't come to them by accident. It's really sort of this divine moment of like, they need you as much as you need them. And that through that relationship of parent and child and the uniqueness of who they are and the uniqueness of who you are is really designed to help continue to grow so that you can help them to continue to grow. It is this concurrent process. And I think sometimes we look at it as, um, you know, I'm done. I need to have all the answers. I am the parent. I'm supposed to know everything that's right and everything that I'm supposed to do. And they're the child. Everything that happens is completely either my fault or my responsibility to figure out. So there's a lot of pressure that comes with it. So much pressure. That's that's when you're talking, oh my God, I'm like, I'm feeling my body get tight again because yeah. that's what I felt like. I felt like I got one chance to get it right. Mm-hmm. And now sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh man, did I ever get that wrong? Right. Now I'm not even in it anymore. I actually get to go to bed and sleep through the night and not have somebody like puking in a bucket at 2 a.m. You know, mm-hmm. like... They're big kids. Yeah. It's almost like residual anxiety of I was supposed to get it right and I didn't. Yeah. And now what do I do? So I think it's really interesting, like just the whole journey of parenting. And just for reference, my child, my kids, and they're not kids. So I feel funny. I don't know. There should be a better way to describe parents of adults. (laughs) But my son is 19 and my daughter is almost 17. And my son is going to be 20 soon. So it's interesting as they have continued to grow and sort of become their own little person. And then they grow into those tween years and then teen years and now adults. Mm-hmm. What starts to really happen, and I was speaking to a client last night about a kiddo that she, you know, her particular child and is having tantrums and she's in that, you know, some of the phases that you just described where you're really knee deep and like trying to really comfort your child and help your child and foster all these skills, developmentally yeah. speaking. And it's really important. And I really find like through the, the whole scope of parenting is really about this idea of really needing each other a lot and really having to do so much for your kids in the beginning from setting boundaries, teaching them how to understand, you know, what's safe and what isn't and cause and effect and all these other things. And you're so involved in it. And then this little turning point comes where then the job of the parent is to practice restraint and a little bit more restraint Mm -hmm. and a little bit more pullback and a little bit more letting go. And then really sitting with like, you know, I remember like watching my own kids and they were at that age, like high school age. And and I knew they were kind of embarking on a mistake and it wasn't like life threatening or anything or dangerous, but I knew like what they were choosing to do wasn't the greatest choice. And I was so tempted to get in with my husband and really intervene. And we looked at each other and we're like, what if we just let this play out? Right? Mm-hmm. Like how much more valuable would it be for our kids if they got to experience the full experience of like doing something, having an idea, seeing it kind of fall apart, hitting a little bit of a rock bottom or, or recognizing what failure feels like, and then picking yourself back up and repairing from there and, and really deciding like what skills and what lessons came out of that. And you can't gain that if somebody tells you, if somebody stops you, if somebody prevents you all the time. So is it hard? Oh my gosh, is it hard? Because it's hard in a different way. So to your point, it's not, we do sleep and thank God we sleep because I don't miss (laughs) sleepless nights at all, right? Like, so that part's fantastic, right? We're not doing a lot of cleanup and messes and things like that. I mean, that's 
that's the beauty and like where you do get to finally catch your breath as kids get older. Where the challenges lie as a parent is what does restraint look like for you? How much are you enmeshed with your kids? How much Mm -hmm. of your identity has always hinged on who they are and how they present in this world? And the more that your identity lies in that, the harder it is to parent older kids. The more you can recognize that you have to create space and give them the space to be free to be who they are, the better you will get at exercising restraint and being able to really see that process through. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much of that. Today on your Instagram or the one that I saw today, you had Mm -hmm. a reel about emotional regulation. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was about, you know, helping kids with emotional regulation. And it just triggered me to think about how my emotional regulation had not been very well developed when I was young. And I didn't have the consciousness or awareness when I had my children about my own inability and my own lack of skill and emotional regulation. And so I wasn't the parent that I wanted to be like now, because I didn't have that skill set. Now, I hope it's a little bit better. This is always going to be something. It wasn't something I developed at a young age. So it's constantly a challenge at this stage of my life. But it was really interesting because I thought that is the piece that I feel was missing on my side. And maybe I'm doing the typical thing, which is blaming myself for everything that goes wrong. But I'm like, if I had been better at that, and I do have a really positive relationship with my kids and I'm really close to them and I love them. And I love the fact that they'll crawl into bed and like want to tell me about their day. And I'm, I'm like all three of them. I just, I adore them. But I also recognize that there were skills that I didn't teach very effectively when they were young and that that causes struggles today. And what's my role in teaching them some of these skills that maybe I didn't handle very well because I didn't have the skills. And just emotional regulation is the one that came to me today because I love, I know I've already said this, but I love your Instagram and you always give me so many good things to think about. And I was like, oh, I don't need this for the kids. This is what I needed for me. It's so funny that you're saying that because I I love it when parents of older kids will talk, reach out to me and say something like that. Like, oh my gosh, this really spoke to me. I don't have little kids anymore, but I can even see the value in just understanding that messaging. Or um, I'll have some people who are not parents yet. And they'll reach out to me and they'll go, oh my gosh, I totally recognize so much of what you describe in the way I was raised or in the way I was parented. Oh yeah. And so... I think it's not really meant to highlight where did we go wrong, because I think that's unfair. Because in all fairness, I too probably didn't know a lot of the ways to help my own kids regulate their emotions when they were younger. And I, to some extent, I, I did because I did have a certain level of education with it. And I worked with kids for a while. But with that said, you're still a mom and you're still tired and you're still fatigued and you still have moments when you're like, just stop crying. Like there, it's just natural that you're going to have those reactive moments. And so to your point, when you were saying like, how do we reconcile this now years later when you have older kids and you know, Tatiana, I know you have this really beautiful relationship with all three of your kids it's not really about the idea of like living in this moment of like, oh, I didn't do that. But instead, what if we reframe that a little bit and thought in the areas where I fell short for my kids, what if those were the areas that I needed to fall short to help them become who they're meant to be in this world? 
Mm. Like if we think of our own lives and our own parents and every generation of parenting shifts and changes, that's just part of evolution. And it should. I've always said to my own kids, you will parent your children differently than I parented you guys. And it should be that way. In 10 years, I will likely have a different set of ideas of what it would look like. And that is what it should be like, right? We should be looking to this Mm. idea of continuously changing and growing and learning and not being really stuck with one set of ideas and just being married to that. So this notion of like, let's, if I think of even my own life, right? Or if my parents, maybe they were too strict, some would think, or maybe, you know, I grew up in a very loving home, but I'm just giving different examples of what parents have said to me about the way they were parented. But then they they undid that and they learned a lot of really cool things about themselves. So I've never heard really somebody go through something and say, you know, that was just kind of stay stuck in victimhood. Usually you can gain something from it and it either strengthens you, it changes your outlook on life. It grows you in the way that you needed to grow. It gives you all the tools that you needed to have so that you could face some adversity, adversary in your life, right? So there's so much that we want to think about and not blame ourselves about, but rather look at it as just a natural progress because you are a work in progress. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying to your adult kids like, oh my gosh, it's really funny. Like, I sometimes sit back and think about when you guys were little and and where I was at in terms of my own development. And it probably felt like I was your mom and I was supposed to know everything and I was supposed to have all the answers. And truthfully, I remember there were days where I probably didn't respond in the kindest way or there were moments where I know the fatigue got the best of me. And I wonder if, you know, how that presented for you guys. I've had conversations like that with my kids so many times. And it's really funny because I started off as a writer and I still write. And when I first started writing about experiences that were in the past with my kids, I would let them read it before it ever went to publish, right? Before anybody ever saw it. It was a really great process because in doing that, I remember like I wrote an article about this idea that when my son started to get into those tween years of like 12, 13, you know, kind of inching into like independent, I know everything kind of a a mentality, I started to really use a lot of sarcasm with him. And in a very not nice way, quite frankly, like, and I, what I think I was doing was I was, it was my fear coming to the surface. I felt very comfortable raising younger children, but then as they were becoming independent, I could sense that my footing was off. The ground was not settled under me. I felt like I didn't really know how to respond. And so what I started to do was match his his way of communicating. So he started to develop sarcasm. So I bit back with quick, snappy, sarcastic comments. And that looks something like this. It might seem benign, but it's I think over time, it's a really unhealthy way to communicate. So maybe he shares an idea that's like really wild or really off the wall. And, you know, you say something like, really? Wow, that's a really great idea, right? Those are those little things that we can sometimes do like, oh, did you think that was smart? Oh, great. Thank you very much. Like I was doing a lot of these little weird, sarcastic sort of snippets, like where I was just snapping at him. And one day I saw him do it to his sister, who is younger. And I got ready to reprimand him. And I was like, hey, we don't talk to people like that. And and then all of a sudden it was like, I caught myself. And that's really where PAR started, my, my four-step system of pause, acknowledge, respond, reflect. And I paused and I was like, you don't have the right. It was like this voice came over me, like, you don't have the right to tell him that. You do it all the time. And then I I kind of like was taken aback and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not even recognizing Like I am triggered and I think what's triggering me and why am I acting that way? And this isn't how I want to show up for him. This isn't who I want to be. So after a lot of unpacking and working and really doing some reflective work on myself, I went to him and said, listen, I'm noticing that I'm having this tone of voice with you and I'm sort of answering you in a way that isn't fair and it's not 
me showing up as my best self for you. And I'm really sorry. And I just want you to know, like, that is not okay with me. And I'm, I'm going to be really cognizant of not doing that to you anymore. But I just ask in return that we kind of each think about the tone that we're using with each other. Like my promise is I'll do that for you. And he said to me, I'm going to do it right back to you. And so years later, I wrote about it and he read it. And it was funny because he's like, I didn't take it like you were being mean, you know, but like in my perception, in my mind, it was like it was it was mean, right? Mm. So there's even value in him saying that, right? Because I was his mom, he could not even perceive that the way I was talking to him could be classified as mean because you just don't it's your parent, right? It's the person you love a lot. They love you unconditionally. So we talked about it and then he got to kind of see it from that lens from years later from listening to my voice describe it back. And it was a really great experience. So I I think that there's always moments to have those connections with your kids where, you know, maybe repair isn't the necessary word in this situation, because I don't think anything was broken between us. But I certainly think he was able to see my humanness in that moment. He was able to see that I was a person still growing and developing and unsure of myself and questioning my own decisions rather than sort of this figure of mom and she's supposed to know everything she's doing and she's who I should be following and listening to, right? When they're younger, they don't have that ability to parse that out yet. So I just thought it was really interesting. So I think back to your point, It's never like those conversations can be very valuable and it can feel very jarring for a parent because there is something about it that feels a little bit like we're admitting defeat, which I think is that what I get back from parents when I'm talking about it, like this idea that we go back and say, like, I did this wrong, I did that wrong. And it's not really about right or wrong. I would just challenge you to think about it in a way like what was coming up for you now with a more wise sort of sense of self, what can you recognize in your younger self that was showing up in those days? And how can you explain that to your kids? And not in a way that's like to sort of berate yourself or blame yourself for anything, but just a recognition that you're all works in progress. We all are, they are, you are, and and so it is. It's it's so amazing. This whole conversation, I, I just thought, oh, this is what I do as a health coach, like the very first thing that we work on is acknowledging current state and where things are at. And that's sort of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And when he said that he didn't recognize that you had were saying things that were unkind, the repair actually happened. Like when you acknowledge to yourself, you can start the method of repair because if he actually doesn't see it as an unkindness, then he perpetuates that behavior because it's not recognized as being unkind and then does it and destroys future relationships, relationship with his sibling, relationships with friendships, because he's like, no, no, like, I'm fine. It's there's nothing wrong with this. Can't you take a joke? Because there isn't the recognition that there's anything harmful there. Right, right. And you articulated that beautifully. I mean, that's exactly spot on. And that's what was happening, right? I started to see him talk that way to others, his sister. And I was like, ooh, and then that that brought it, you know, full circle for me. Yeah, I've definitely had some of those moments. And I'm feeling a little bit better because I'm feeling like, okay, so the juice is in the repair because you had the opportunity to have the conversation and that all starts with that initial bit where you acknowledge the role that you play in the future behavior. And that's kind of different with older kids than it is with younger kids. If you think all the big guidance stuff is happening when they're really little, you set small mini goals. 
I want to get out of the grocery store without somebody having a tantrum, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. And that's really easy to capture. It's really easy to capture whether or not they did or did not have a tantrum in the grocery store. And if you got out of there and everybody still smiles, you're like, woohoo, I'm winning at mom today. But I actually remember, oh, I'm going to share this story. My biggest like, oh my God, my kids are going to be okay because I'm a single mom. We went through a divorce and it truly is a we, you know, the whole family does. And I remember my son had his girlfriend over and they were watching something on TV and I was lying in bed and I'm like, I don't know how they can actually hear what's happening on the television because they are chatting and laughing. Mm, so sweet. So sweet. And I just thought, oh, we really did get through this. Okay. We're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And that isn't a single action like getting through the grocery store, but that's kind of how parenting transitions, where as they get older, all of a sudden it's, does my son treat women respectfully? And is he a kind person who acknowledges the rights of people that are differently abled or from different backgrounds? Are we inclusive of different voices and perspectives in our family? Are we having conversations about things like cancel culture and what that actually means and, and how it impacts our friendship circles when we take that approach? I love this age, but I'm slightly terrified too. <laughs> and I also see that this is when those little pieces that when they were young, they now like bloom into something else. It's like you unintentionally planted a bunch of seeds from a mixed bag and you aren't quite sure if it's going to be dandelions or roses that come up. Mm -hmm. And so then when you realize, oh, there's a dandelion, what are we going to do about this? Like, how does that happen? And this idea of repair and how to approach that. I'm ruminating about this, but I, I can't even capture a single thought on that. I'd love your perspective. Yeah, I mean, repair to me is exactly like you said, it's where the juicy stuff is. It's where the good stuff is. And particularly if parents of older children, I would urge you to really think about where in your relationship you can practice repair, particularly if you're finding that you're butting up against some challenges and disagreements, right? It's really hard when you parent a child and then they start to develop and grow and they become very different from who you believed they were supposed to be. And often we get ourselves into trouble when we set certain expectations and we do it from a good place. It's it's not really meant to control or anything like that. But sometimes we just have a certain set of ideas of how it's going to play out, right? Mm -hmm. And when that image doesn't happen or that vision doesn't happen or it doesn't play out the way we had intended, we can really struggle. And that presents in a lot of different ways, right? Sometimes it's that we become overcritical of our kids. Sometimes we double down and get more controlling. Sometimes it's that we just can't even stand maybe the different way that they're presenting in the world versus who we thought they were supposed to be. So I would argue with anybody who's in a, any kind of a situation where you're just feeling even a little bit, I would say it doesn't even have to be, you know, at a complete like fallout. That certainly isn't the case. But look at moments in your own parenting experience. Look at how you were parented yourself mm -hmm. and not in a blaming way, but really coming from a place of complete neutrality and really think about why did you show up the way you showed up that day when it was maybe a harder day or a harder moment. And, you know, life is full of them. So to think that you're going to get through parenting unscathed and that you're just going to nail it is really unlikely. And it's not to say that you can't still be a fantastic parent. 
I always say kids aren't looking for us to be perfect. They just really want us to be present and there, right? And that doesn't mean perfect. And that doesn't mean without flaws and without mistakes. I think we have to honor the fact that we are who we are and we're still growing in this process. Just for an example, I was working with a parent recently of a 12-year-old and he's getting ready to go to middle school. And she said to me, please tell me, like, I really am getting so scared. And, you know, nowadays, and it's just so scary with phones and social media. And I just really want him to understand the the gravity of like his choices. And if he makes a mistake, just how how large of an impact it could possibly have. And so now what I'm hearing is like, that's her own worry coming to the surface, right? And it's mm. valid and it's fair because we are raising kids in a different time regarding technology. But then I said to her, so then her question to me was, how do I help him so that he understands how big his choices are and to really avoid some of these big mistakes? And I said to her, so the better question you want to ask yourself is, how do I create the space so that when he makes a mistake, he will come to me? Oh, yeah. It is not about how can I get him to not make a mistake or how do I get him to understand that that's too big of a mistake, right? According to you, the parent. The better question is, how can I support him so that he can come to me when the mistake happens? You will serve him in a better way if you create that space because they won't fear you, they won't hide the mistake, and then it turns into a bigger mistake and an even bigger mistake, right? And so we can be there to catch them in those moments so that we can all repair together. So the idea that we can prevent these moments from happening or that a good parent means your child gets through without messing up is really funny to me because I just don't think that's true. I think we have to let our kids live and we have to teach them how to be resilient. And and it's very difficult. You know, I think it's a, a harder way to parent to some extent, because in some ways it is easier to be really disciplinarian and controlling for as long as you can. And then eventually that blows up mm-hmm. too. But if you can practice restraint and really look at what com- what's coming up for you. So in that case for the mom, I said, outside of just worrying what's really coming up for you that has you in such fear, right? And that's what it was. And she's like, well, he's in the, I, I'm not going to be there to oversee. Like, I don't know if he's going to understand and know and maybe, you know, and so it was a lot of her own stuff coming up to the surface. And we really worked through that. And she talked about how in her own life, mistakes were a big no-no. And when it happened, it was like earth shattering. It felt like the whole house was in shambles and the disappointment that she was met with. And so it's her own fear and her own life of not being able to even practice sort of free choice and making mistakes and seeing where that leads that she just didn't even know how to allow him that same the space to do that because it wasn't something experienced. It's not even in the realm of possible. That's right. Like her message was, it is not safe to make a mistake. That's right. And then you just internalize it mm-hmm. and you go, it's not safe to make a mistake. That's exactly right. Oh boy. See, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm not changing my mind. I still wish that we had been friends with your amazing <laughs> advice when my kids were little. I'm not changing. Oh my gosh. So hard. Because I, I recognized that with one of my children, I was fearful of her. And it's only in retrospect that I can see this of the fact that she was always a very sensitive child. And I thought, oh my God, how's she going to survive in this world? It was all my fear. And so I tried to teach her discipline and structure, you know, and she was always that child who I remember going to the school once and seeing a group of friends and where is she? And they're like, I don't know. And then she's like the last kid in from recess because she'd been lying in the middle of the field looking at the clouds because they had such amazing shapes. And she had this whole fantasy life that she had. And all the other moms knew. They're just like, that's 
what she's like. And you know what? And they were all like, oh, it's so cute. But I, I would be like, yeah, that's how she is. But inside I had this huge fear of like this sensitive creature going out into the world and just getting crushed. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to create all of this structure and discipline and all of this sort of stuff. And do you know what? It didn't make her stronger and more resilient and all those things. What it did was it drove a big wedge between our relationship. And there was a period of time when our relationship was barely there. And mm -hmm. that didn't happen overnight. And the repair to the relationship is not something that is happening overnight either. But in so many ways, I can see her with such greater clarity. And she has given me a gift of actually looking inside going, why was I scared of being soft and gentle and vulnerable and open to the world? And this of my three children, she was the planter of the seed in me that through my love for her, I had to do this work. Yeah. I don't know that anyone but my child could have gotten me to that point. Yeah. You will do your healing because you just love your kids so deeply. Yeah. And it wasn't my way, and I use big air quotes, what I thought was right for her that would help her be successful in the world really wasn't her. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because part of self-regulation and teaching kids how to self-regulate those emotions, meaning that they have big emotions that they're going to experience and developmentally speaking, when they're very little, they don't have the capacity to regulate those. So we assist with that. And just the way we do that is we just connect with them and allow them to feel seen. Mm. Right. So in a situation where your daughter was presenting in this world in a way that felt scary to you yeah. because of your own experiences and things that you have walked through it felt almost unimaginable that you were going to just leave her out there exposed yeah. to pain and to suffering and whatever else was going to result from her sensitive nature. And so it felt like you had no choice but to protect her. And that's a primal instinct for you as a mom in that moment, because it was difficult to discern in that time that you didn't quite have the capacity. And that's okay, because you get to do that now and see that now, which is a really beautiful thing. But what we all want to know is that we are seen as we are and that we matter, yeah. right? So for our kids, and she's she's a sensitive being, which to me is like really special when I meet kids that are yeah. that way, right? Because I think it's hard to be a little bit different than the rest. And so the fact that intuitively they know and they're quite all right with it, I think speaks volumes. But that is exactly what comes up for us as the parent is that how will they manage? Will they be okay, right? We can't help but worry. But that's really our own insecurities. That's our own fears. And that's why it's really important to have a practice in place where you can reflect and you can sit back and say, like, what's coming up for me right now? Right. Like, what is that? The same way in the case of the mom of the 12 year old, what's coming up for her when she's looking at mistakes in that way? Right. Is it is it that? And she got to the bottom of it pretty quickly and realized that it was her own understanding of mistakes. Right. And so it's not to say that you didn't create that space later for your daughter or that she didn't feel seen. It's that she bloomed in her own way and that you did too. Right. So that situation was very valuable for you too and for your own experience. So sometimes we assume it's all about our, our child, but the truth is, is this is a process that always happens together. I always like how Dr. Shafali Sabari always says, you know, we're dancing together, but on our own journey. And that is very true. Mm. 
there's never really right or wrong. And if we can get out of that binary thinking, I think we'll give ourselves some grace and really tap into what it means to be a really present whole parent. And part of that means looking at our kids and going, you know what, maybe I didn't show up the way I wanted in those moments, but my gosh, you amaze me. And if if I was the person I am now, and had I been that person in that moment, watching you walk in from the playground, a couple feet behind everyone else, I would have said, hell yes, look at my baby walking in without a care in the world because she had better things to do in nature than sit there with those kids in that classroom. So you would see it differently. And even that would have so much value for your daughter to hear that because those things stay with us even as as adults, right? Wondering those moments where we were stifled or where we maybe felt like we couldn't really show up the way we really felt was authentic to us or or the way we felt best, right? And we we start to conform and we start to become whoever we think we're supposed to be in order to fit into certain places and boxes. So I think there is value in that. I know I've done it with my kids. And what's really nice is my mom and I have a really close relationship and we she's evolved so much throughout the years. And her and I have really great relation, a uh, great relationship where she'll say things to me like, why did I care so much when you guys were younger about what people thought or why was that at the forefront of my thoughts? And, you know, Maybe you guys experienced different reactions out of me because that was at play, but my gosh, does it not matter? And I love it, right? And I love for the fact that she's that person. And I loved her then when she was the person who was telling me, don't do that because it's, you know, so-and-so might say something. So I think we can't make it this big thing like where we've shattered them. Kids are far more, um, you know, they're a lot stronger than we give them credit for. And again, you gave them a gift and whatever it was that they needed to experience, they needed those experiences so they can become who they're meant to be in this world. Oh, that makes me feel better. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, I hope so. like, I was getting like <laughs> so like totally weepy here because I was like, I remember that day so well. And I think that what I'm hearing here is just as you're on your own learning journey, share it with your kids. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. That's where that funny transition happens. Like it, it happens very, very, very slowly. And then all of a sudden. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, you know, you're, you're noticing some changes. And then one day, boom, it just happens. We go from I'm the parent, this is my role and my responsibilities to their sort of finding their own independence to this whole new relationship that you have with them where they are self sufficient, and they have mm-hmm. friendships, and they actually want to spend time with you again. Yeah. And that's just such a a great time too. But the relationship has changed and it's really hard to put a finger on when it changed or what was the catalyst, but you're still always the parent. Even if your role as a parent is different than it was previously, Mm -hmm. you still have sway and influence and an opportunity to say, I know that I told you this and uh, maybe that wasn't the greatest advice at the time. This is what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. But now I see the world differently and I realize you're just perfectly perfect as you are. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, you you got it. You got it. I mean, that's exactly right. You know, and if we can do that, even while our kids are younger, we'll exercise so much more compassion and grace for ourselves and not be on this really sort of pressure cooker, you know, ride of parenting where it's like everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be right. Everything has to present a certain way, particularly in this time of social media. I know when my kids were younger, I didn't even have, I didn't have social media until I got, until I was much older. I think I was close to 40 when I finally started going on there and even you know, wondering what it's all about. But I think it's, there's a lot of sort of reason to think it needs to look really polished and it has to look a certain way and be a certain way. But 
you know, the good stuff is in the middle and it's in the messy parts and allow yourself to have those experiences. And in all honesty, it's never done, right? You always get to work on that relationship. It's always there for the taking. And it's so wonderful. Like I have loved every minute of it. And even the moments that were in the phases that were exhausting and hard, they come and go. It's really just these transient phases and over time and they just grow and they develop. And so do you. And it's really great to have a little bit of perspective. And part of why I think I can help parents to some extent is because so much of it is in my rearview mirror. And there are times where a parent will get so worked up about something and I'll kind of go, honestly, don't worry about that. Don't. It's it's okay. <laughs> I promise you they're not going to care. You're not going to care later, right? So there's a lot that we work ourselves up about and it's the small things and usually it's not the things that matter the most. And what I would tell most parents too is, and this has helped me a lot as my kids got older is when they would start to come to me with different, and I think adult kids do this too, but when they come to you with different dilemmas and problems and they're venting and and whatever the case is, our, our knee-jerk reaction is to still go into fix-it mode. Like, oh, well, did, do I say this to that person and just do this? And oh, well, did you tell them that that's not acceptable? Like we just right away want to come up with, you know, our problem solving is, is just on display. Have you met me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's all of us. It's all okay. of us. We just have to get in there and like, oh, we have a plan. Like I'm, my kids aren't even done with their sentence. And I'm like already like, you know, trying to jump in. Yeah, I've got a five stage plan and <laughs> exactly. Look, oh, solutions coming. And what I started to do was I started to stop myself because I, I, I started to pay close attention to like what my daughter or my son was saying. And I started to recognize nowhere in their expression was there a question. They were just explaining something to me and talking and talking oh, yeah. and saying how they felt and how something made, you know, an experience that they were having. And I started to say to myself, it's not, this is not a question. This does not warrant an answer. You just have to sit here with them and hold space. And so then when they'd finish, I'd go, I'm happy to keep listening or I'm happy to share my thoughts only if you want though. And sometimes they'll say we don't want, and that's okay. Yeah. Right. And sometimes they'll say, thanks for listening. That felt really good. Do you have any thoughts on it? But the point is, is that we rush to get to that darn finish line, this elusive finish line, by the way. (laughs) And oftentimes, if we just really sit and stay really still and present and really just take in what they're saying, it's often not a question once they get older. They're often just needing a place to go to express themselves. And I've even seen a lot of times where my own kids will start to vent or say or talk about something. And by the time they're done, they're like, I know, I'm going to just do this and this and this. And then like they all of a sudden have the solution and you're like, oh, so good. Like that was really, really fun to see, you know. And in part, it's because it's in that restraint that I mentioned earlier that like instead of going in to fix it, and it's always coming from a good place because it's we just love them so darn much, right? But at the end of the day, if we can give them those skills to... Mm -hmm. And we can hold that space for them so that they can really process some of those harder moments and those tougher moments. We will be doing a much better service for them and for ourselves too, right? Because our value doesn't lie in how quickly we can fix their problems. Our value really lies in can we continue the process of showing up, making sure they feel seen, loved unconditionally, and continuing to do the work on ourselves. Really, to be a good parent means to be a good person. Yeah. And I think that we can actually start taking that approach when they're really young. And I'm definitely a late bloomer there because this is actually a real conversation I've been having with myself because I like to talk to myself about these things within the last couple of months. (laughs) And really, you can create space for a five-year-old to just talk about their feelings 
And if you don't get into the habit of taking away their agency, but actually promoting it and allowing them to talk through and think through, that's a gift. Absolutely. This is a big one for me. I realize I'm very much a let me jump in and solve this because I'd like to do this now so that I can get on with the rest of the stuff that we have to do. Yeah. And instead of just like, oh, I need to breathe and you need to take a breath and we need to just, mm-hmm. you keep talking. I'm just going to hear it. Right. Just let it be. And and if there isn't a question, why am I making myself like creating this dependency where everybody has to come to me to ask questions? Right. You are an autonomous being mm-hmm. with your own brain yeah. and your own ability to make decisions. And if you would like my input, great. But if I could cut those hundred questions down to 10 manageable ones, then that actually makes life easier. So much. And even if you can get in the habit of, let's say it's like a situation where now that dependency has been fostered and that's what your child is used to or your teenager or your adult kiddo, um, let's say they come to you and that's what they're used to. Get in the habit of asking a question back. That's another really good practice because it, it just expands that conversation without a directive of like, well, just do this or just, you know, this is the solution instead of just handing the answer to them. This is very true for very young children, too. We're very quick to give an answer. But if we can stop and just be a little, just give ourselves that minute of space to say, hmm, well, where did you leave your shoes? Right. If they're asking where their shoes are Mm -hmm. or huh, I don't know what to do about that mess in the playroom. Hmm. You know, like if we can kind of just do that, even that gives goes right back on them. And then they start to go, oh, well, she's really relying on me here and I really matter and I have to really figure the solution out here. So we want to really give kids the tools to be able to do those things and to be able to navigate different situations from very mild to very serious. And so we're always there for them. But it is it is just the ultimate battle and restraint. I know I keep going back to that word, but it really is there. I do these um, aligned parenting sessions and they're some of my favorites to do because it's parents of all ages or they have kids of all ages. And the bot, the, what we're really getting at is how do we work through some of these things that you're telling yourself that are really impacting the way that you're seeing yourself as a parent. And it often lies in this parenting story that you've subscribed to, like what it means to be a good parent. What are the subconscious beliefs that you've held on to about good parenting? And how is that showing up in the way that you're showing up for your kids and for yourself? And often what we find is it's just a lot of myths and things that we believe are true and we've convinced ourselves are true and they come from different places depending on how we were parented from societal things cultural norms right there's all different reasons and different factors that play into that story especially women yes oh for sure right women the solver of problems i i'm already in the back of my head going i bet this works for partners (laughs) too i don't know where you left your car keys where do you think you left your car keys (laughs) right right without being like right it it could be effective it could also be super condescending just depends who (laughs) (laughs) okay okay so maybe we'll hold off on that one no that's funny but yeah like it's like this process of being able to, and I think maybe that, okay, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a little tangent here and I've had you for so much time already, but I do feel like part of the joy of getting older as a parent is starting to actually recognize that the things that you thought that you had to do as a younger parent, when your kids were young, you sort of go, it doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't. And you can be maybe a little more open to your own instinct as opposed to what the Joneses next door are doing. And when you can shrug off this this shroud or heavy weight of social expectations and just actually just say, 
what works for us in our family, mm-hmm. th- that is just a great place to be at. And what I'm hearing is acknowledging that, talking out loud with your kids about it, and just being open and transparent and engaging in dialogue, that that in itself can be helpful for them. Yes. Agreed. Agreed to all of that. That's exactly right. Oh, thank you so much. I have really enjoyed having you on the podcast, your wisdom. Thank you so much. Thank you. It means a lot. This is so great. I loved chatting with you. I loved having you on. We'll have to come on again. Thank you. I would love to. I loved this conversation with Albiona and I hope you did as well. I have so many more amazing guests who are scheduled for the weeks ahead, and I wouldn't want you to miss any of them. So this is the time to take a moment, go to your phone or computer, whatever technology you're using to listen to this podcast, and take those 10 seconds to subscribe to the podcast. How do you do that? On most podcast platforms, you'll usually see three dots on the screen. And if you click on them, you have the option to go to the podcast. Once there, you can click the follow button. And while you're there, if you could give the podcast a five-star rating and a review, that would be absolutely amazing. And finally, I invite these guests and create this content for you. And I hope that you take away tangible tools that help you in your everyday life. And if you think that this episode or another episode would resonate with a friend, please forward it to them. It's the easiest gift that you can give to them. And it helps me to continue to be able to produce this content. Thank you for being a part of this community. And I hope you have a beautiful week until we meet again.